Hello and welcome to Stop Your People Need You. Uh, here with me today, as always, is Danny. Hello. And today uh, we are taking a bit of a different direction. Uh, it, it feels a bit more of a personal in you uh, type subject, and that is all the great stuff starts outside of your comfort zone. So Danny, this was one that came from you when we were talking about stimulus and ideas. Um, in fact, that's that's not true. It actually came from last week's uh, podcast. It uh, did. You talked about that uh, subject. So we thought, let's get it straight in and let's uh, bump a few things out. So get us started. What, where do you want to go with this? Yeah, it, it absolutely did. And, and I kind of quite like this, that we're kind of coming up with you know, changing our agenda a little bit from what we plan on doing and bringing some fresh ideas in. But the point of this, I guess, is that, um, and, and the concept starts with a, a level of understanding of what I mean by comfort zone, uh, and then probably some practical examples that we can kind of share about our own experiences of it. But the principles of it are that we all have a comfort zone. So a place where we feel naturally comfortable. Um, and, it, you know, that could be in our personal lives and our professional lives, but it's doing the tasks, doing the duties, being with the people that we feel most comfortable with, where you can be yourself um, and you don't have to put up any, you know, pretentious behaviours and, and, and all that sort of stuff. It's you being you. Um, and then second to that, we have a discomfort zone, which is a place, if you like, I always say we step into. So in other words, we step out of our comfort zone and into our discomfort zone. And that's when we, we need to do that. So I don't know, a job interview, for example, often not being people going to that feeling totally comfortable and at home. You're meeting a stranger, you're putting on your best face, you're putting on your best behavior. And so you're in your discomfort zone, uh, but you do it because you need to do it. So we're, we're happy to do it if we have, you know, we have to do that. I don't know, presentation at work. You know, so your boss says, I need to go and present to this audience. And you get there and there's 200 people in the room and you think, no, I've got to stand up in front of these. But my boss is back at me and they've told me I can do it. So I step into the base. I don't feel particularly comfortable, uh, but I do it. And then there's, there's a third area, um, which is our no way zone. So if you imagine while you're in your discomfort zone, there's then a wall around you. Um, which is the bit where we won't step into. So if I take my presentation, for example, that no way zone could be for some people, 20 people in the room, it could be 200 people in the room, it could be 2,000 people in the room, or it could be live television. So there's the sort of scale, if you like, of, yeah. of how you would create a line or a barrier. Okay. And the concept of this subject, and the reason why this title is picked is, great stuff happens outside of your comfort zone. In other words, all the best things that happen to us in life happen when we step out of our comfort zone and into our discomfort zone. And we're going to try and demonstrate that over the next 20 minutes. Yeah, and I think there's <clears throat> some things uh, around that in terms of the great things. Why? Uh, the reward it is it, it will always feel greater because there is that higher level of satisfaction that you will get. I think if you look at some of the, the learning models that are out there and you, you, you look into comfort zones, I think in the discomfort zone and, and outwards, that's also where you will see most learning uh, and growth. Without a doubt. Both you know, as an individual and as an organisation. It's taking some of those risks, um, however big or small, pushing yourself to do those things is where you'll get most learned because of the, the 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 feelings that it stirs up. You get more feeling from it. You get more of an, an emotional reaction to some of that discomfort, which allows you to learn. In fact, you know, 
this morning before this podcast, I mean, we've talked about similar things of my week, you know, and some of the things that I've done this week, you know, the amount of learning I've taken from it, and I've probably been sat in some of those areas, which... Well, it's it's being bold, isn't it? It's being bold or it's being brave <clears throat> or it's being a combination of the two. Um, you know, it could be both, you know, but it, it, it is, it's, it's, it's having confidence, it's having self-esteem, it's having, it's having whatever is required um, to function operating that. And we either, around, you know, stir that up in ourselves or yeah. we kind of seek it in others. I mean, that depends on how we're going to go about doing it. I, I, so, I want to yeah. just jump in and add a fourth that hopefully we'll have time to get to. Go on then. And that is around the environment that you're in. Because does the, the the discomfort zone grow? And if we go back to last week around being properly led, I think there can be a correlation between the people that you surround yourself by, the way you're led, the organisation and the environment and culture that you you sit within could... Um, create a larger discomfort zone or uh, fear zone, whatever you want to call it, because it's in, that's put on you by the people around you. So if I think about a subject that we're going to come on to in a few weeks, the term innovation and curiosity and all of those things, that can also be stifled. So as a fourth, I'd love for us to get to a point if we get the time to discuss, well, actually, what environment are you creating for people to step outside of it? And actually, are you creating an environment where you're making people's discomfort zone larger through creating fear and, uh, and you know, dare I say, reprimand for things that go wrong? That is going to stifle it in the long run. Without a doubt. I mean, I think that you're absolutely right. I think the, the environment, those around you, and different circumstances, different situations can change it as well, can't it? Because, yeah. you know, if you go back to, you know, your boss says, oh, you're going to do this presentation, uh, and, and you kind of think, oh, it's a bit more discomfort zone. And then your boss says he's come in and he's bringing his boss. Oh, by the way, the entire senior leadership team is going to be there. All of a sudden, the environment's changed. And so the task is still the task. Mm. <clears throat> but what's happening around you is is considerably different. Right. So, yeah, no talk about it. So I, I thought I'd, I'd share with you kind of my, I suppose, early discovery of this and the reason why it became almost like a bit of a, a bit of an interest as I've grown and as I've developed and just seeking it out in others. Um, so if I go back in time to when I was a a late teenager, I suppose, um, <clears throat> and um, I, I had a job at the time working as a washer-upper in a hotel. And um, I was super shy when I was 16 years old. I really was. I was. I, I wouldn't say boo to a goose. I struggled with you know, kind of engaging in conversation with strangers and that sort of stuff. And so this job washing up was quite happy for me. And I used to finish about 10 o'clock. And on a Friday night in the hotel I worked in, they had a karaoke night on a Friday. And I used to finish work and I'd just go and sit down at the end of the bar. And the bar manager was a guy called Richie. And he'd say, you know, we'd be chatting around about stuff. And I used to say to him, I'd, say, oh, I'd love to do karaoke. In other words, I'd love to have the confidence to be able to do karaoke. And he was like, I'll oh, put your name down. I'll oh, put your name down. That's what he'd say. I'd write, and I, I remember they used to fill with fear, you know, utter just like it would make me feel sick at the pit of my stomach because of the thought of him doing that and how that would make me feel. Fast forward 10, 11 years time, I think it was. Um, and I was in a karaoke bar in Soho in London with my team at the time. Um, and there I was belting out, living on a prayer by Bon Jovi. 
um, and not read about an eyelid. And, and I, I got on the next day, I remember waking up the next day and thinking, kind of, how has that happened? How have we transitioned from 10, 11 years ago to, to now? What's what's changed? And so I started to do a bit of digging around in my thought process and what I'd learned. And it, it kind of came back to when I started training. I, I, my very first job in training, I didn't particularly enjoy. That's another conversation for another day. Um, but I didn't particularly enjoy it. Um, and I didn't enjoy it because I hated just speaking in public. I hated talking to groups of people. So being a trainer wasn't exactly the most, you know, inviting task to do. So I used to look back in those days, I could look at where, whichever groups had the smallest amount of delegates on. And I used to volunteer myself for those sessions because it was the easiest ones to do. And one day I was in this session, there was about four or five people. I never used to stand up. I used to sit at the table with everybody. And on this particular day, I was explaining something to the delegates and they didn't quite get it. And I stood up. And I turned and I wrote on a flip chart what I was trying to say. And I, I sort of wrote it all out. <clears throat> and I can still remember turning back around and looking at the audience, all looking at me and feeling afraid, feeling really, really, really uncomfortable because I was absolutely in my the bounds of my discomfort zone, right on the boundary of the no way zone, stood in front of a group of people, talking to them while they intently listened. And that was a real turning point for me because I now present, deliver, train on camera. We do it in, we are delivering rooms. I've delivered at the NEC to 6,000 people on a massive stage and I take it in my stride. And I, I recognize that it was that moment, that day <clears throat> that I stood in front of that flip chart when I stepped into my discomfort zone that things changed for me in that arena. And I can think of lots of different instances in life in lots of different circumstances, but that was it for me. And that's why I say all the great stuff happens yeah. when you step into your discomfort zone. Because if I hadn't done that, I genuinely don't know whether I'd be here today. Because at that moment in my career, I was absolutely ready to pack in training. Yeah. I was ready to throw the towel and go and do something else. Wow. And, and what I find interesting is it, that it happened without you knowing it. That's that's a yeah. telling sign. So the so the story of of getting on on the karaoke for the record, total no way zone for me. Uh, <laughs> you, you have got many years ahead of of you working with me. <laughs> if you get me on a karaoke, uh, that's the plan. I I can't see that changing. I'm, and I'm an awful I'm singer, sorry. by the way. Absolutely I'm, awful. You're a terrible singer. singer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I also find. You know, as, as human beings, the, 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 your biggest critic is yourself. And how often of, of if we talk about learning and growth, how often of pe people or uh, I know that I have stepped outside of my comfort zone and in my head, my, my, my inner talk is that was a disaster. I was nervous. I remember the first time years and years ago I, I spoke beyond just a meeting room size out of nowhere i was speaking at a, a dinner for one of our clients um 60 people in a room all gms for a massive supply chain organization global uh, supply chain so you know in my head i've built it up i've gone on there and i, I don't even know what pitch or tone my voice was in my head, it was only dogs could hear you get off i get off the stage and speak to my client and, oh, i was really nervous and it, you're great <clears throat> I didn't know you were nervous. Didn't recognize it at all. Did you not hear my voice? No, you sounded pretty normal. And, and, and I guess that's another thing to, to try and do is if you know you're stepping outside of your comfort zone, seeing it as an opportunity to learn, seeing it as uh, a way 
of growing yourself. Um, but also trying to find a way to review that more often than not. You know, we talk about the plan do review model a lot. How often do you step back and go, that was one of the most uncomfortable scenarios of my life to date? What 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 happened? Get the people around you that can give you that honest feedback. Use it as an opportunity to learn. And also, I think there's a term that we love, and I think it's about simplifying what's actually happening. You know, when you put it in the grand scheme of things, what are you doing here? Break it down. I'm, I'm standing up in a bar singing a song to a load of people that will, I will never see again in my life. Um, and actually, I don't really care whether they like how good I sing or not. I'm, I'm, I'm here to enjoy myself. And in, then in a business sense, who are the people in this room? What is it that they want to hear from me? Uh, what is it that I'm telling them? What's the worst that can happen? And I think sometimes, and I think that goes back to the environment though, for me, is if you've got your boss or you've got a business that puts so much pressure on that, which is just before you go in, that tap on the shoulder, don't screw this up. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? The what's the worst could happen is, is probably a good way to tackle some of these things because yes. you know, what's the worst could happen in this particular scenario, we talk about karaoke, the worst thing is people laugh, which, I mean, if the worst thing you ever did in your life was make people laugh, that's not a bad thing, is it? I mean, let's face it, in this day and age, making people laugh is a fantastic thing to be able to do. Um, and I think as well, you talk there about, you know, kind of, you know, making the decision to do it or plucking up the courage to do it. I think there's a there's a there's a second layer of learning for me, you know, back then is I used to air this with my boss all the time. You know, so I used to, you know, before this moment, if you like, and I'm not saying that was the moment because I think it took then a lot of conscious effort post that day to really kind of grow it because I set myself a target which was right, I'm gonna do that on every session from now moving forward. And then I then progressed to the next target was I'm going to stand up for the rest of the session and so on and so forth. And I'm going to look for bigger audiences and it became a progression. But the point was before that day, I used to say to my boss, I just don't enjoy it. It's just not for me. I don't feel at home. I don't feel comfortable. And they just had an attitude of just get on with it. Sharp moaning. That's what he says, sharp moaning, just get on with it. Um, and it was almost like I was pushed into that. Yes. Um, now, I've reflected on that quite a lot because actually I think the one thing that was lacking was a hand-holding process. So in other words, if my boss had said, look, clearly not quite settled, why don't I come with you to a couple of things? Let's go to a couple of gigs together. I'll do a bit, you can do a bit, and we'll just have a play around with that ourselves. So I had that sort of that, that person that I could turn to that I, I could lean on. Um, and I think that's the important bit for this bit for me is, is, is understanding first of all of yourself is, is this something I can do because I'm going to push myself? Is this something that I'm going to do because I'm going to need to be pushed? So almost actually say to somebody, look, you know, really help me coach me through the situation. Our conversation prior to this session actually was, was a very much about that. You saying, I don't need somebody to hold my hand. What I need somebody to do is almost to give me a push to do something I need to get done inside of the organization. Or the third thing is, do I need somebody to be there and hold my hand? And do you know what? When you ask that question, say, look, I'm not quite sure. Will you come and help me? People are generally very forthcoming, whether that's in our personal lives or our professional lives. Yeah, um, I also think it's important um, to say, though, if, if you do need someone there, it's there as a guide, not as a fail-safe. 
Correct. How many times will you just default to, I'm not doing it, I can't do it, or you get, get someone in a meeting or a presentation, you be there just in case I go wrong. That, yeah. that, will, that will naturally then, as soon as you hit that discomfort zone, you'll, you'll tap out and you'll say, that's, that's not right for me. I think yeah. there's an important thing for me in terms of uh, that discomfort zone as well is who you're modeling what your expectations of yourself are. So if I'm going to do a speech uh, for the first time, looking at how Barack Obama so eloquently speaks to the world, in the most engaging and dynamic way that you, I think that, that there is out there. There's very few that do it as well as he do. You, you're probably, let's think about expectations, and, but do it your way. First of all, there's a set of expectations of yourself. Where are you in your journey, your learning journey, and your just where are you in terms of as a human in development? But also it's great to set the, the your standards very high but you're going to feel a bit more nervous if you look at your boss and go, I can't, how many people turn around and go, I can't do it the way he does it. Well, no one's asking you to do that. That will make you uncomfortable because they've been doing it for 20 years, a very experienced. Um, it's now that they went through the same process as you. So I guess what I'm trying to say is be realistic with your expectations and how you model your behaviors, because actually the first thing that might create a bit more comfort is looking at the type of what, what you want to get from it as opposed to looking at other people and saying, I want to be like that, because that adds a different pressure because you're, you're modeling there and you're not actually being you. Absolutely. And, and, and there's no two ways about it. That's going to you know, exasperate the challenge because you're looking at somebody that's in their natural element. So yeah. in turn, <laughs> that in itself makes it, you know, them seem, you know, seemingly more confident than you are which is going to have a, a dent or an impact on what you do. And, and I think this is the bit is that <clears throat> there's almost a baby step process in all of this, isn't there? And I think that's the other thing we don't do enough of is we try and leap from A to Z instead of going through A, B, C, D. In other words, going through the minutia steps in order to get there. And I think, you know, right now in the world, um, you know, whether it's, you know, people's personal lives being challenged for all the things that are happening in society right now and, and, and the pandemic happening. There's professional people, you know, people in their professional lives where they're, you know, up against it, businesses really struggling to kind of see light at the end of the tunnel and all those things. And in every conversation you have with anybody, on every conversation I have, people are trying to leap from where they are to where they want to yeah. go. And that unknown place makes them feel very uncomfortable um it, it's, it's probably like us really to a certain extent pti thinking about how we've stepped into the virtual space yes. because you know for, for for many many years i i will happily admit i have completely discounted virtual learning i've said it's no way in a million years you can create the same level of environment there's no way in a million years you'll create the same atmosphere and lots of stuff so a reluctant to do it but also concerned, I was definitely, when I first stepped onto camera in our virtual environment, I felt very uncomfortable because I wasn't in familiar territory. I'm quite happy in a room full of people, but put me in front of this, in front of a camera and a screen, I feel uncomfortable, I'm out of sorts. But then all of a sudden I start to kind of get used to it and I get in the flow of it. And then all of a sudden I want to do more of it and I want to change things around a bit. Yeah. I want to add stuff. And, and all of a sudden those baby steps through that process were almost like a, almost like you're nurturing yourself 
through yeah. this initial phase of discomfort. It's about discovery and, and discovery. There we go. Discovery. I, I had the same, and I'm, I'm not going to repeat exactly what you've done in another example because that, that wouldn't add any value, but I had the same when I started in inverted commas, if you could see me, I'm doing the bunny ears selling. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. You've heard me a million times. Oh, I can't. I, I just hate that. I hate being perceived as a salesman. Because again, if I think about my external references, it was those car salesmen that have so badly tainted my shiny shoes and a fast walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I, I, th that's the point. What what you've done though uh, is you've created your own version of yourself virtually. Like I've created what I'd like to think of myself as in terms of selling, um, as opposed to a salesman. I sell, yes, I sell business to people, but I do it in my way. I had to step outside of my comfort zone to understand the version of that that I wanted to be or do and be seen and perceived as, as opposed to that salesman that I saw in my mind, which made me feel extremely uncomfortable, the thought of anybody looking at me and going, oh, God, another salesman. And it still plagues me. Mm. And I'm not actually saying that I'm over that to be honest. And, and Danny, I'm sure even though you had that flip chart moment where you stepped outside of your comfort zone, all of those feelings rushed back the first time we went live in the studio at PTI because all of those, that was a discomfort for you. So discomfort zones don't go. In fact, I think you become more tolerant, but it's about how you manage that and, and manage the emotions. I completely agree. I think there's a couple of things in what you've just said there that are really important. One is that that you step into this discomfort zone doesn't mean that you're only going to step into it once. <laughs> yeah. You may have to step into it a lot of times. You know, blimey, I've done a fair few presentation skills workshops and, you know, said to people, you know, well, this isn't going to go overnight. This is something you're going to have to, you know, pers persevere. At. And it could take, you know, numerous. I mean, you could take, could take hundreds of examples before it become comfortable. But one thing I do know, I guess, as a second point is that, when you do step frequently into this discomfort zone, you actually grow your comfort zone. That makes sense because what you're doing is if you're stepping into your discomfort zone and things are becoming more natural, more part of your comfort zone arena, that's going to have a seismic impact on other things. And the reason why I say that is I did not deliberately go out my way to sing at karaoke in that bar. Okay. You know, I, I'd grown confidence okay. and comfort in standing in front of groups of people, growing in my ability to stand in large audiences, being comfortable with people laughing at you, being comfortable with people jesting, and all of those things. And because I'd been comfortable in other areas, that had then encouraged or allowed me to become comfortable in that situation. So it's the knock-on effect, I suppose, that this can have, which is where the real distant difference is made and where the real development starts to happen yes. and of course the reason why i go back to our original title which is all the great stuff happens outside your comfort zone because you may well step into it in one aspect but that can have an enormous impact somewhere else in your life in some other arena in some other space that could mean you progress something else that you've always wanted to do or part of your life goals or ambitions and I think as individuals, how do you seek out those opportunities for yourself to push yourself outside of that? Because the reward is far greater. As leaders, what environment are you able to create that allows people to feel safe in stepping outside of their comfort zone? I think that's a really big thing. I don't think we need to labor on that point anymore. Don't stifle that 
that individual that wants to push themselves. Um, and if you're able to do that and create multiple layers of, uh, or a team of people around you that do it, think how much fun, uh, think how much of a multiplier that would be if everybody around you has the, the, the confidence, the, the ability and the mindset to step outside of their comfort zone. Just think how much great stuff would happen, not just individually, but collectively, if that's an environment you create for your people. Absolutely. And my, my one bit of advice, and, and I never wanted this podcast to be about advice, but I feel compelled is to recognize when somebody needs their hand holding and hold their hand. Mm. I think that so often that could be the difference between an a, absolutely appalling failure and a absolute roaring success is just somebody being there to hold their hand when they need it. And if we're looking for that, we see the opportunity and we can offer it as required. Amazing. Wow. Well, I actually thought this was going to be a, a shorter um, episode, to be honest. Um, mm. Thank you all for listening. I hope you've enjoyed. As always, we value your feedback. We've had, as Danny said last week, we continue to get great feedback from people. We've had some really high downloads, far beyond what we expected at this stage. So thank you to everyone that is continuing to listen. Um, if you do want any subjects, as always, throw them our way uh, and send them in to action at pti-worldwide.com. Um, but from me, goodbye. And from me, goodbye as well. See you next time. See you next time.